And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys had a terrific weekend. Uh, great show for you today. I was joined by my brother, Greg Price. Always a great time talking to Greg. Uh, we talked about Joe Biden's inability to ride a bike and uh, elder abuse more generally. We talked about how Taylor Lorenz and woke, liberal, childless white women will be the downfall of the Democratic Party. And we talked about Greg and I's uh, favorite sport, which is, of course, uh, big game rhino hunting. Uh, and a bunch of other stuff I think you guys will enjoy. Before we get to Greg, guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to subscribe. Uh, if you are an Apple user, please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Greg Price. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Greg Price. Greg, how you been, man? I've been good. Good to be back on with you. Absolutely, man. Everybody also on Twitter, as soon as this episode comes out, everybody go wish my boy Greg a happy birthday over on Twitter. I can't think of uh, any way I'd rather spend my birthday than being on the No Gimmicks podcast. Absolutely. And in lieu of gifts, uh, just like uh, Greg's own father apparently did this morning, in, in lieu of gifts, uh, make a donation to Matthew Foldy's congressional campaign. That's That's the only gift that I need on my birthday. <laughs> is donate is donate is donating is making Matthew Foldy the youngest member of Congress. He would be the youngest member, right? Well, y- yes, he would. Because he's what, like twenty five? He's twenty five. Yeah. <laughs> is who's the youngest member now? Like AOC or something? It's Cawthorn, but Cawthorn just lost. Oh, uh, yeah. So Foldy, Foldy, his birthday is August third, and he'll be twenty six. So if he takes office, he'll be twenty six years old. Man, Cawthorn. Or my, but not not if when he takes office. Cawthorn really just tried to put a bad name on like young dudes running for Congress, man. <laughs> like that was that was a real. I, I'm not gonna kick a man when he's down, but that was just a real. That was a real bummer. I'm not gonna lie to you. That was a, hey, that was a real disappointment. Hey, first rule about cocaine orgy: don't talk about cocaine orgy. <laughs> Dude, they went hard, man. They went hard. They're not giving up their cocaine or their. They're not there. If you if you talk about the cocaine orgies, you're just dumb. Yeah, man. Should have known. You know, should have known better. Yeah. Um, so, man, obviously we have a ton to get to, as always, but the the president of the United States can't ride a bike anymore. Um, we can add that to the list of things Joe Biden can't do, but your four-year-old niece can. You know, speaking basic English, riding a bike, acknowledging the existence of their own family members. You know, I mean, stuff like that. <laughs> like, real basic stuff that most people can do, but, I mean, like, this is super embarrassing, you know? Like, it's funny. Like, I enjoy the memes, but, like... There's is there anybody in the White House or in Joe Biden's own family that will step in and stop this? I mean, like you just can't have an 80 year old man with late stage Alzheimer's riding bikes for photo ops. Uh, no, you cannot. And uh, I saw a really a really funny joke about this when when the video came out. Somebody on Twitter, I forget who it was, was like, "I heard the problem he had with the bike was was with the tires. It was called inflation," which I thought was was pretty was pretty pretty clever dad joke. But 
No, you're right. And, you know, last week was World Elder Abuse Day and Joe Biden uh, decided to issue a proclamation about it, even though the biggest case of elder abuse today is the fact that the people around Joe Biden, including his family members, just allow this to happen as if it's normal. And it's obviously not normal. The guy is the guy is obviously old and senile. And, you know, during the 2020 election, the media would pretended that he wasn't old and senile. And now we're stuck with a senile man is with the nuclear codes in America. And it's, it's like, it's, it's, it would be, it would be, it would be sad if it wasn't truly depressing. I mean, they, they're, they're trying their best. I mean, they're, they're really trying to tee off Joe Biden. They're putting him in the best possible situations. I mean, they, they set up these photo ops. They, they only let him do these extremely short speeches with a teleprompter, obviously. It's always like in the middle of the afternoon. You know, he doesn't do evenings very well at this point in his life. Um, they, I mean, they, they never let him talk to the press. I mean, he'll talk to actual journalists once every few months, and even then they'll, you know, pre-screen all these softball questions. And Joe's so far gone, it doesn't even matter. I mean, like, they, they're, they're trying to put him in a position to propagandize effectively, and he can't even do it anymore. Um, but here's what's going to happen. Like, here's the thing. Like, I know, like, this morning we're going to see all these, like, think pieces from the right and the left. Like, oh, I wonder if the Democrats will stick with Joe Biden. Or I wonder if they'll try to pivot to Kamala or whatever. Like, this is what's going to happen. The Democrats will stick with Biden no matter what. Because, I mean, there's no Democratic strategist or journalist in the country uh, who doesn't know what, what's going on. Like, everybody can see what's going on with Joe, but they still know that he's their best chance. I mean, they're, like, and I, I do respect... Democrats' ability to just make cold-blooded calculations. You know what I mean? Like, Republicans don't really do that. But, Demo- like, you have to respect their ability to circle the wagons. Like, they, they do know accurately that he's still still falling off his bike. And but He came to a complete stop on the bike and then just tipped over. I mean, it was completely ridiculous. But, like, he's still their best chance because th- th- their hatred for us, like guys like you and me, and our way of life outweighs anything for these people. They know Kamala is unelectable. You know, they, they know that no black people will vote for Pete Buttigieg. We're not allowed to say why, but we all know why. And they know they've got nothing. So they'll stick with Joe because he's their best shot. And there's no point in, like, right. Like, I hope National Review and all these guys aren't, like, writing these pieces this morning. Like, oh, I wonder what the, you know, will the Democrats dump Joe Biden? No, never. They will never, ever do that. Uh, they will never nominate somebody else because they know Joe is still their best shot. You know, I, I, I tend to agree with that. Like, I think, you know, I I think all the people who think that Joe Biden's not going to run in 2024 are wrong. I think he definitely will. But I think there's a lot of Democrats out there who don't think Joe Biden is their best shot. And like, you know, they they understand that in 2024, they're not going to have, you know, a once in a century pandemic to use as an excuse to keep them in the basement for an entire election cycle. And I think, you know, between all of the things, you know, all the, between the inflation and the border and all the, all the, shit that he's done to absolutely wreck our country. I think, you know, I, I think a lot of Democrats, I, I don't think they're going to dump Biden, but I think they're scared about Joe Biden's prospects in the 2024 election. Um, you know, I think, I think it's, I think if Trump does run again, which I think he probably will, I think, you know, running on a campaign of where your message is simply, are we, were you better off when I was president or when Joe, or when the senile old fuck is pre- is president? I think that's a winning campaign message. And I think, you know, when we get closer into the beginnings of the 2024 election, I think a lot of Democrats are going to be terrified of, you know, the fact that they literally don't have the pandemic as as an excuse anymore. 
um, to keep this guy, you know, locked away while his handlers do all the work for him. I think people, you know, I think the American people see through that now. And I think you can tell by the fact that he has now the worst approval ratings of any president in the modern era. He now has lower approval ratings than Donald Trump ever did with a media that that is on his side and wants him to win, even with a even with a media that is firmly in his corner. He still has he now has the lowest approval ratings of any president of the modern era. That is like literally that is impressive to do that with 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 it is it, it is impressive to be as bad of a president that Joe Biden that Joe Biden has been. And like, you know, and it's all been in the last it's all been in the last 10 months. I mean, this started last yeah. uh, last August with the Afghanistan stuff. I mean, he had like a 55 percent approval rating before that. And his disapproval was around 40. And, and I mean, the fact that he's completely gone upside down in less than a year, in 10 months, is like, I, that is impressive. I mean, it took, I mean, yeah. it took George Bush a lot longer to, you know, to it's, tank his, his popularity. I mean, it just, it, it usually doesn't happen this quick. It's, it's literally impressive to be as bad as quickly as Joe Biden has. Like, George W. Bush had, you know, had 90% approval ratings after 9-11, and then people saw through the Iraq lies and Hurricane Katrina happened and the recession. And that all went down, but that was like set six, seven years after the fact. Joe Biden's done it in literally a year and a half. Like it's it's literally impressive. So like when you go back, when you talk about you know Democrats dumping him in 2024, like I, I don't think they will, but I think they're absolutely terrified of their prospects of being forced to have this guy run an actual presidential election in 2024, which is which is something he did not do in 2020. I mean, they they will be terrified, and they should should be t- terrified, obviously. But they're going to be terrified in private, in secret. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because like the Demo- Democrats vote like a machine, like they really do. Like they're not just all Democrats, but like you know the Democratic base. I mean, they they do vote as like a hive mind. You know what I mean? And they make their decisions based on just ice cold calculation. You know, which is something like you just kind of have to respect about them. You know, as like wicked as it is most of the time. But like I just think. I mean, like, if, you know, God forbid Joe Biden dies or, like, you know, whatever, you know, becomes completely unable to, like, speak or whatever, um, or, like, some other candidate just comes out of nowhere, like, barring one of those two things, they're just going to ride with them, man. They're just going to roll with them because, like, you know, like Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris, like, no, like, you know, that would just be an absolute bloodbath. I mean, can you imagine one of those people running against, I mean, either Trump or DeSantis, whoever it is? I mean, they would just get absolutely wrecked, even worse than Biden. And they know that. You know what I mean? And, like, you see you see this with, like, all the primaries that we've had the last couple months. Like, I just, I, I res- you know, just tactically speaking. Like, I don't respect their decisions, obviously, because they're wrong. But, like, I, I respect how, like, loyal Democrats are. Like, they just look at a slate of candidates and they're like, who is more likely to crush the Republican? And that's who they vote for. I mean, it's just like they're just like a wartime party, man. Like they're just they 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 nominate knife fighters like they just they go for the throat, man. And then like Republicans nominate Mehmet Oz and Herschel Walker. You know what I mean? And it's like I don't I don't get like, I, come on, man. Herschel Walker and you know, he's got all these secret kids and stuff like that. I, I doubt that like conservatives in Georgia are going to like that. And it's like, man, like they're nominating just the whoever they think can beat us because they just hate us. Like whatever, whatever, whatever candidate gets them closer to their goal of being able to politically oppress guys like you and I, they will nominate. And then like, we're what we're nominating fake TV doctors and football players. It's like, man, I just, ugh. like it shows you how much more serious Democrats are about wielding power than Republicans.
No, that's true. And that's like, you know, one of the things that I do in my day job is we try, we, we try to nominate knife fighters and we try to nominate, we try to remove rhinos from office. Cause like, you know, just going off of what you just said, when was the last time you saw a Democrat who represents a D plus a million district ever vote against the Democrat party? Never. Can you think it's of never, one? It's never happened. No. Like it's literally never happened. The only ones who do it are mansion and cinema. And it's because they represent a red state and a purple state. But like, if you look at, the voting records of a Democrat who represents a solidly Democrat district, they will never, ever vote against Nancy Pelosi. But on our side, we have a ton of them. Like we have Liz Cheney, who lives in Northern Virginia, but for some reason represents Wyoming, the most red state in America. We have John Cornyn, who's the senator of Texas and is now and is now helping is now pushing uh, red flag laws on on, you know, he's helping states pass red flag laws now. You, there's like a million examples that you can think of off the top of your head, and it's 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 a disgrace, and it's a, it literally never happens on the Democrat side, but it always happens on the Republican side. But I think the good news is is a lot of the I think the Republican Party is starting to get it. I think you know national the national GOP is starting to understand that you can no longer you can't pull the wool over the eyes of your voters for so long before you realize that you're not representing them, and. You know, I think this, in this election cycle, we are nominating a lot more knife fighters. Like, I think J.D. Vance is a knife fighter. He's going to do he's going to be a great senator from Ohio. And, you know, there's a lot more candidates like that that have been winning. And so, you know, we obviously have a lot of work to do. But, we're, but, I, but you know, the GOP is starting to understand that the, the political moment that that we're in and that we have opposition that doesn't care about morals. They don't care about principles they care about winning and we need to care about winning just as much as they do yeah absolutely i mean you're absolutely right and like it, it goes even further than <laughs> and, and you're obviously correct that no democrat in a blue district would ever betray the democratic party but like they go further than that man like the, like democrats and i don't know if they're just so afraid of like pelosi and schumer and, and these people or, or what but i mean they'll go out they'll i mean they'll, they'll fall on their sword like democratic congressmen and senators will like even if they're in a swing state or a swing district, they'll—I mean—they'll go all in on like trans stuff. Even if they—even even if it's like pulling at five percent in their district, I mean, they don't care. I mean, they'll just whatever like the DNC orthodoxy is, they'll just—I mean—they're loyal foot soldiers, bro. Like they will—they like, don't even care. They will fall on their sword for the cult of the Democratic Party, and it's like well, well, it's well, crazy, it just, it, but it's like you almost have to respect it. You know what I mean? Well, it just it, it goes to show like the the somewhat genius that I admire of Nancy Pelosi. Like we right. hate, obviously she sucks yeah. and everything, and she needs to be retired and and sent back to the hellhole that she crawled out of this November. But you have to respect her for the fact that she literally does not give a fuck what her opposition says about her. No, she will. She does not. She cares about one thing, and that's getting done what Nancy Pelosi wants to get done. And it speaks to the absolute like ruthlessness of her, of of her political acumen that she got AOC and Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and the rest of the squad, these people who like say that they're against the Democrat Party establishment. She she has all of these people literally wrapped around her finger. Like when they started, they were fire like they were fire breathing dragons for the progressive movement. And now and now they will not do a single thing that pisses off Nancy Pelosi. And it goes to it goes to show like, you know, the, the, and that I respect about her, the fact that she was that she's able to do that because she she's become so powerful that even 
you know, the so-called anti-establishment Democrat members of Congress will, don't dare to double cross her. And, you know, as much as we hate her and as much as she is literally the worst person in the world, we need leaders on our side who are who will fight as hard as she does for our side to win. Oh, yeah. I mean, like the squad and, and all these guys, I mean, they campaign against like the big banks and Wall Street and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> they do whatever military industrial complex, you know, all that. And then they're just like in lockstep with like just Mrs. Big Bank, Nancy Pelosi. Like it is it, yeah. I mean, instantly, too. I mean, they weren't they weren't in office for five seconds before Nancy got to him. Like it is no. it is remarkable how much power she still wields at age 90 or whatever. I don't know how old she is, but at least in her 80s, mid 80s. But yeah. another thing I we have to mention, man, and I think I can speak for you as well on this, but like one of my main goals, obviously, anybody who's listened to this podcast at all knows this. One of my main goals in the world of politics is to completely destroy corporate media and salt the earth where these monsters once stood. Uh, and honest to goodness, I think people, I think Taylor Lorenz and people like Taylor Lorenz are going to help us achieve that goal more than anybody on the right. You know what I mean? Like this woman is so ridiculous and insufferable. That even like mainstream journos and left wingers are realizing how annoying rich white female journalists are. <laughs> like this lady is on an absolute mission to make the entire world roll their eyes at her all at once. Like she's going after Matt Iglesias now for making like a COVID joke. And like it's just it's amazing. Like I just I love that the Washington Post is burning down. Like I thought like guys like you and I probably thought that eventually the Washington Post's time would come and it would be because of their lies and their propaganda. <laughs> but that, but that's not it at all. Like they're falling apart because they chose to employ these ridiculous white women. Yeah, I mean these places like, you know, these places have become extensions of what we would complain about on college campuses a couple years ago. And you know, fr- Friday, this past Friday was the was the anniversary of the Watergate break-in. Which was, you know, that became sort that became, you know, the golden age of investigative journalism at the Washington Post when they when they went after Richard Nixon for, you know, the Watergate break in. And today's Washington Post, you know, you have all of these insufferable white women who literally spend seven days rage tweeting about their colleague <laughs> retweeting a joke about how women are either crazy or bisexual. <laughs> like this guy literally retweets this and they spend seven days rage tweeting about it. And I guess about how crazy they, I, they're like, oh, about, he's calling women crazy. Watch this. He's calling women crazy. <laughs> I'm going to tweet for seven straight days about my colleague she making was, a joke. About, because we're proving that it was that like women the middle are, of the night. It was like all the time. What was that woman's name? Gosh, the post fired her. But what was her? What? I already oh, like Felicia, memory hold Felicia, her name. Felicia Sanmez. Sanmez. Yeah, yeah. Felicia Sanmez. Yeah. yeah. But like I saw, so like, but just going off of that, I saw there was a poll the other day about how Joe Biden now has negative approval ratings among every demographic group in America, except for, except for college educated white women and like, except like suburban white women and like college educated people. And it's like what liberal white women who grew up in the suburbs are literally either going to be the death of the Democrat party or are going to be the death of Western civilization. It's going to be one of those two. They're literally going to destroy our country or destroy the Democrat Party. 100%. And, it, and it's, you know, we'll, we'll see which one it ends up being. Yeah, I mean, that's 100% correct. I think it's a huge miscalculation for the Democrats, generally. I, I really do. I mean, they had the minority coalition under Obama. And 
they lost it because they started nominating awful old white people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like obviously Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, they don't, you know, hold the same sway with minorities as Obama did for obvious reasons. And they like they they're not going to be able to rebuild that. Like they've kind of disqualified themselves from being able to build like a minority coalition like that because like a bunch of Catholic Hispanics and Baptist black people don't want the Democrats to castrate their sons. You know what I mean? They're not all in on like the Pride Month trans flag stuff. Like that's just not where black people and Hispanics are at. They're very culturally conservative people by and large. They don't want to wear masks outside alone in the park, right? I mean, like they they've just blown up their credibility with minorities. And so the Democrats have pivoted to catering to the Taylor Lorenzes and Felicia Sanmezes of the world. Like, that is the base of the party. These, like, liberal, childless, coastal, rich white women. And, well, but they, they, messed up, they messed up. Like, here's the thing, man. Like, black culture is cool. You know what I mean? Like, what, like no, who wants to associate, if you're building a coalition around a group of people, like, who wants to associate with annoying, rich, privileged, childless white women? Like, that's not like a cool subgroup of the country that people want to associate with. Everybody's like, wow, those are the most annoying people in the country. Like, I just think they bet on the wrong horse, dude. Well, I, I remember, like, the 2016 election and the whole talking point at the time from, like, Democrats was that they were going to expand on the Obama coalition and build, like, a coalition of, of you know, racial minorities who, who were going to ensure that, like, they, they were saying the Republican Party has become the party solely of, like, old white people. And that this like younger minor- minority coalition would lead Democrats to victory forever. And that obviously didn't happen. Like Hillary, the, the Obama coalition didn't come out for Hillary and she lost. And, you know, you fast forward a couple of years later and now, you know, Hispanics are no longer reliable Democrat voters. And, you know, the, wor- the white working class of America that had reliably voted Democrat for forever are now solidly Republican. Like the Democrat Party, their base has become has literally become suburban white women and young people and like, you know, people living on the coasts in America, like, you know, college professors and, and, you know, all of these other people. That is now their base. And like the Republican base is becoming middle America and, you know, the, the working class of this country. And it's slowly becoming the Hispanic working class of this country. Like. Democrat, like we just saw in Texas, you know, Myra Flores just won that special election. A Republican had not represented that district in over 100 years. 150 years. Yeah. It was like the 1870s. That that district went from from voting like, you know, 20 plus points for Hillary Clinton to, you know, 13 plus points for for uh, Joe Biden to to having a Republican representative. And it's, you know, that district now has new maps that we're Biden plus 13 in 2020. But like, is that is will those voters be reliably Democrat in this upcoming election? I don't think so. Like, I don't think so at all. And it's like and the reason it's happened, like it just goes to show the Democrats have become a party that caters to woke white people. Like they literally have to cater, like they've become they, they cater to Twitter. They cater to social media. And it turns out that minority voters across America and working class voters across America are not as liberal as, you know, the, the idiots who with, with their pronouns in their bio posting on Twitter all the time. And, you know, that making the decision to cater to those people is, is what has hurt the Democrat Party and what will continue to hurt the Democrat Party. Yeah, I mean, because it, it's not just the de- it's not just politics either. Like, you know, corporate America has catered to these liberal white women 
for the last like <laughs> few years now. I'm just like letting these liberal white employees just run companies. You know what I mean? And it's like, I, obviously, the Post fired Felicia Sanmez, which is hilarious. Has she tweeted yet? I mean, she went from tweeting every 30 seconds for a month to, like, I think she's just gone now. Or maybe she blocked me. I don't know. She she blocked me. I have no idea. I, I literally <laughs> don't know. Blocked. But, like, but it's like, and, and you see some pushback. Like, the Post finally was like, okay, <laughs> so enough. Like, you can't just bash your boss on Twitter over and over for weeks. You know, you saw, like, the annoying white women that were, like, talking crap about Elon Musk at SpaceX. Like, Elon Musk just fired all of them. You know, it's like, finally, people are like, okay, like, this is a this is a workplace. Like, you work for a living. You can't just yeah. trash your boss on social media with no, you know, just because you have a vagina. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't just, like, trash your boss on Twitter incessantly with no repercussions at all. So it's like... I, I hope that that's the start of a trend, you know what I mean, that these that companies will stop catering to these ridiculous people. I mean, if you look at, you know, Felicia Sanmez and, and Taylor Lorenz, like, just look at the—like, I, I hardly ever read comments, but, like, look, look at their—look at these comments. Like, it's just literally everybody dunking on her. Everybody. Like, left, right, and center, black, white, purple, green, whatever— and but the only people defending her are these, like, annoying, insufferable, privileged white women. It's white women versus every everyone else. Like it's it's not. I, I I hope that these companies are realizing that it's just not a winning strategy. Like that's not sustainable. And I hope the Democrats take way too long to figure that out, and we just wreck them for the next decade. I, yeah, and I think you know they're they're not going to learn, and they're going to keep doing what they're doing. And like you know, very few Democrats will will point out that continuing to cater solely to the woke white people. The woke white women of America is not exactly a winning electoral strategy for them. Yeah, and especially, and, and so, and especially like, and you know, Republic, you know, the other thing that you have to consider here is the is the unrelenting assault against families that's come from the Democrat Party. Like, it was a big story in in 2018 about how the suburbs turned against Donald Trump after having supported Republicans for a very long time. But Glenn Youngkin literally won the suburbs back for Republicans because of the the attacks on education and the woke bullshit in schools. And, you know, if Democrats are going to keep if they're going to run on, you know, a drag queen for every classroom, as the as the attorney general of Michigan said the other day, like that's going to continue. That's that's even going to lose them support of people that they should win by and large, which is suburban families, suburban women. And. Mm-hmm. That's 100% correct. And also with with the Glenn Youngkin election in November, like Biden and the Democrats approval ratings had started to drop like he, he had dropped significantly since you know pre-Afghanistan withdrawal. Um, but even with like, you know, getting all those soldiers killed and Marines killed and then the war crimes, obviously just eviscerating that family of small children uh, for no reason and all that. It's still like he was still in like the mid 40s at that point in November of last year. Um, I mean, Youngkin. You know, I, I what, what did Biden win Virginia by? Thirteen. Thirteen. Really? It was thirteen. It was a thirteen-point swing in one wow. year. Wow. So Biden won by thirteen, and his his approval rating because of Afghanistan, and then we we started seeing inflation a little bit, um, and, and rates started going up a little bit, um, last yeah. fall. But like, it's nothing compared. I mean, like Glenn Youngkin's victory was nowhere near the political environment we're looking at for the midterms this year. I mean, like Biden is down another like seven, eight, nine points from where he was in November of last year. Yeah. 
So it's like it's so, not like oh he just like Glenn Youngkin perfect candidate against some unknown Democrat in like Joe Biden's worst times and in terms of his approval rating. No 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 no. Like Terry McAuliffe had 100% name recognition and Biden is like 10 points down now than when he was then. So it's like if Youngkin was able, I didn't know it was 13. I, I thought it was like eight or something like that. But like if he was oh, able was to more... pull off a 13 point swing, imagine what we can do this fall. Yeah, absolutely. And like the other thing to consider about it is like. The fact that there, there, even like a lot of Republicans think that like you know the the Roe decision is going to hurt Republic is going to hurt the GOP in the midterm because it'll give the Democrat base something to be fired up about, but they forget that abortion was literally all Terry McAuliffe talked about. It was a, he talked about abortion. He talked about January sixth for that entire election cycle while Glenn Youngkin was talking about education and inflation and CRT and all. And, you know, schools and all the issues that people actually cared about. And he ended up flipping a state that Joe Biden won by over 10 points. I really don't get I really don't get why the Democrats believe that their like fanatical pro-abortion stance is a winner. Like, it's just not like I get that. I mean, like, I I don't disagree with like the mainstream (laughs) polling that like the majority of Americans don't want like all abortions to be banned. Like, I, I bet that's probably true, even though you do take you have to take every poll with a grain of salt and kind of like give a few points to whatever the Republican position is, because they really know how to word these polls in like very misleading ways. But like while that's probably true that like a, you know, 50 percent plus of the country doesn't want all abortions banned. It's like the people that are most passionate about the abortion issue are pro-lifers because that's like the one social issue that they're focused on every day. And like even like leftists who are obsessed with abortion, maybe they've had several abortions themselves and all of that. It's not like Democrats. They're not hyper focused on abortion the way like pro-lifers are. They're like when it comes to cultural issues, Democrats take just a shotgun approach to everything. Like they have to be equally as obsessed with every single culture war issue as they are about abortion. They're just as radical about transgender stuff. They're just as radical about like letting trans people compete against women in sports. They're just as radical about like the COVID like virtue signaling with masks. Like it's like they take this scattershot approach. And so like they're obsessed with everything all the time. And it kind of like, they don't, they're not like ingrained into like, this is my issue that I'm focused on. I just like, they're obsessed with like leftism culturally more generally. So it's like, I I mean, you're right. Just firing up the pro-life base on the right right before the midterms doesn't seem like the best decision if you're a Democrat trying to win elections. But like it makes sense. Like they just they have to like they I don't think they're actually passionate about everything all the time, but they pretend to be like everything is like a hair on fire. Defcon one moment where like on the right, it's basically just abortion. You know what I mean? Like the right wingers aren't like obsessed with like every culture war issue the the way the Democrats are. Yeah, that's true. Like, you know, in in the campaigns I've worked on, like, you know, a lot of you know, pro. If, if you knock on the door of someone who has like a Virgin Mary statue in their front yard, the first thing you should probably talk about is abortion, right? Because that's going to be because that's going to you know that's the issue that's you know that's like the only that's what well you know I guess the, you know the CRT issue and a lot of the issues surrounding education have become like you know culture war flashpoints on the right in a good way like they're right you know it's 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 real like you know it's it's real problems that are happening in our schools and it's it, they're winning issues with with parents. Because parents don't want any of this woke crap. Like even even liberal parents don't want any of this like radical crap happening in their schools. And but like and also just to like put to put like a finer point on like kind of this whole conversation that we've been having. 
when someone like when people ask me today to give them the case for voting Republican versus voting for Democrat, the, the first thing that I'll always say is that when the FBI, the CIA, Wall Street, all of corporate media, you know, Google, Amazon, all of corporate America and, you know, every former George W. Bush cabinet member and Bill Crystal in of the world, when when they're all supporting one side of the political aisle today and when they all get behind one certain ideology, you want to be on the other side of that debate. And that's that's my that's my number one go to argument to people for voting Republican, which is every power center in America supports the woke side. They want to be a part of the they want to cater to the online woke crowd. And so if you're somebody who actually wants to go up against, you know, forces trying to destroy our country, all of the for, all of the evil forces in America are supporting one side today. And it's the it's the liberal side. It's the Democrat side. For, and for God's sakes, if all those people are supporting one side, if all of those people, if all the most powerful forces in America are supporting one side of the are supporting the woke liberal side, then I want to be on the other side of that. And that's and that's that would be my message to you. Hundred percent. I mean, and think about the the list of people you just mentioned. The damage that they've done over the last twenty five years. Yeah. Here and abroad. I mean, the blood on these people's hands is 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 insane. You know. I mean, to get me as far away from that camp as physically possible. And like, I, I really, I really do just think that like the strategy of Democrats since like twenty fifteen, when Donald Trump said he was running for president, the strategy of corporate, the corporate press, and the Democratic Party has just been to like whip their base into a frothing at the mouth frenzy every single day over everything i mean if you turn on the news i mean just like cnn or like you know stephen colbert the late night shows jimmy kimmel it's like everything they're pissed off about everything every day is just a new reason just to be like going crazy screaming and yelling at the top of their lungs and that is just not you can't like that's not human beings can't do that like they get worn out you know what I mean? Like, I, I bet that a lot of Democrats are just worn out. You can't just be angry. You can't be fanatically angry all the time. Like, there's burnout there. You know what I mean? And like Republicans, I think are are a little bit more focused, at least now nowadays. With like, it's an easy pitch. Like, hey man, we should save the babies. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I can get bored. Let's save the babies. That's it. You know, mass abortion, the slaughter of the unborn, seems like something that is actually worth getting fired up about because it is. It's a life and death issue. But it's like. The Democrats can't you can't maintain that level of enthusiasm if it's everything, if it's every single day you have another reason to be like hair on fire DEFCON 1. Like that's like that's why the Republicans have the enthusiasm gap, which is very important historically in terms of the polls that you should actually be paying attention to. Republicans have a massive enthusiasm gap. It's because you just can't like you can't manufacture outrage on freaking like net neutrality. You know what I mean? Or on like some like benign like congressman somewhere saying something that you disagree. You know, it's like you can't just go nuts about every athlete saying their opinion on something. Like it's like it, you're, you're burning these people out. And I think I, th I don't know, man. I, I think they've just bet on the wrong groups of people. They've taken the wrong strategies. and I can't wait to see him take one right on the beak in November, man. A couple a couple quick things I, before yeah, I let you go. I think yeah, go ahead. Thing, I Tucker Carlson said it best, which is that the Democrat Party is the party of weak men and unhappy women. Yeah. I mean, how, how can you argue with that at this point? You can't. <laughs> it is undeniably true. It is undeniably true. I mean, a couple, a couple quick points, and then I'll let you go, Greg. Uh, World Swimming just banned trans women from competing against real women. 
which is not something that I thought. I it, it, I don't know, man. I I think if a lot of these organizations start following suit, uh, I, I I don't. I, the Democrats are not prepared to lose on the trans stuff. They really thought, for some reason or another, that this was a winning issue for them. But uh, you know, now men can't swim against women in competition. That's a good start. So, um, I mean, do you think that's like a start of something here? Do you think people are gonna on mass start you know pushing back against the narrative? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think the pushback has already begun. Like it, there have been uh, 19 states that have passed laws banning biological men, banning men from playing in girls sports. Um, and even like, you know, even liberal people like speak out about it. Like one of the biggest advocates, uh, uh, you know, ag- ag- against men playing women's sports is Martina Navratilova, who's like the most li- who's, who's the most insufferable liberal in her politics. Yeah. But she gets called a turf because she doesn't think boys should be playing <laughs> girls sports. Like the pushback isn't just happening on the right. It's happening like among actual high profile female athletes because they understand that they're literally their sports are literally going to be destroyed if this continues. And so, you know, the pushback's begun already and it's only going to get like you, you saw like we saw the amount of swimmers that like spoke out against Leah Thomas. Like there are a lot of swimmers. Who, who spoke out again and said, "Hey, this is doesn't seem normal to me," and so, and so the pushbacks I think has only just begun. Like it's going to get there's it's there's going to be a lot more to come. It goes back to the white women. It goes back to the white women, man, because it's it's a, it, the only people that believe that trans that biological men should be competing against women are the same people we've been talking about: childless, woke, extremely liberal, coastal white women. That's it. Like, find me. Find me a black guy anywhere in the United States that believes that men should compete against women at sports. Find me a Mexican. Find me a Hispanic first-generation immigrant anywhere in, the, in Los Angeles County that, that believes that. There's nobody. It's just, the, it's just Taylor Lorenz. It's just her. It's people like Taylor Lorenz. I mean, she doesn't really fit the description because she's 50. You know, we're typically talking about younger white women, and she's not. She does not fit that description. But, like, find me. Like, any any of these groups that the Democrats used to have a stranglehold on, I mean, find me anybody that re- is, is a representation of those minority groups that agrees with any of this nonsense. Nobody. Like you said, Nella Talova, like, even left-wing athletes are like, come on. Even Caitlyn Jenner, a trans person. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, this is ridiculous. So yeah, man, it's just catering to this small group of insufferable people. I mean, I get it. I get why these companies do it and why politicians do it. It sucks getting hate mail on Twitter. It sucks reading all the comments and facing boycotts from you know Media Matters and all these these astroturfed campaigns. I get that, but is it is it worth it? Look at the Washington Post. I mean, I, you know, like Jeff Bezos is sitting there with a brandy somewhere, like. Bro, it was not worth it. It was not worth it to hire these white women, man. Like, it's just not, they're not a large enough group of, like, consumers to make it worthwhile subjecting your company to these policies. Well, the sad thing is they're terrified of them now. Like, they're, those people now own, like, own the Washington Post newsroom. And, you know, there's nothing they can do about it. Like, they, you know, they're going to face the wrath of the of the Twitter mob that they've allowed these people to that they've allowed these people to uh, grow if they if they do anything about it. Like that's their choices are they get absolutely hounded by the Twitter mob or they keep, you know, allowing Taylor Lorenz to be Taylor Lorenz. And because they're weak and because they're weak and they're total cowards, 
you're going to pick the latter. Good. Good. And good and, and that's good. That's literally <laughs> good because it's they're literally destroying they're literally eating each other. Yeah. It's this literally Lord of the it's Lord of the Flies up in this shit. Yeah, yeah, so man. It's it's gonna be it's funny to watch. So keep yeah. going. I mean they you made your bed, bro. Lie in it. I mean, like they these people they, this is what you wanted. You wanted your party, you wanted your company to be run by Taylor Lorenz. Now it is. Yeah. Deal like with you it. made this you made this bed, and now you're gonna—you have to lie in it. Yeah, yeah, man. They just bet on the wrong horse this time. And I mean, don't get me wrong, man. I—I I know guys like you at, at X Strategies are doing your absolute best to make sure that, you know, the the right guys are winning primaries and stuff. But like, you know, you never know. Like we've seen in the past. Yeah, I just you never, you never, uh, you look past the the possibility that that Republicans can grab defeat from the jaws of victory i mean like they can well, do yeah, it. Yeah, I, I i understand man like you know they they nominated Mehmet oz in pennsylvania so there goes that senate seat you know what i mean it's like i, I you never know like republicans are just awful are, are just the worst uh at making these types of decisions so anything can happen but like at this point as it stands i mean how many months out we're less than five months out from the midterms mm-hmm. yeah man i mean it's like I, I i don't see how the democrats could possibly turn this ship around in, in that short a period of time. Yeah, they're not going to. And so the focus right now should be on nominating the, re- the right Republicans, as many as we possibly can. Actual America first people. That, and that's, that's, you know, primaries. That, because it's a guarantee that our party will take back the House, primaries become the most important thing. And electing the right type of Republicans will actually represent their voters and fight for their voters in D.C. 100%. 100%. And like, the... It's so disappointing. I, I can't believe. I, I really hope that they can, with John Cornyn and Mitt Romney and these Lindsey Graham, these idiots negotiating our, our rights away with the Democrats on guns. I just, I have to hope. I, I know that they're they're a bunch of cowards and who hate us. I mean, they they hate guns. They hate freedom. They hate us. Um, but I, I hope they. Well, well, Lindsey, well, Lindsey Graham loves guns as long as they're being used to oh, yeah, yeah, fight yeah. people in different countries. Yeah, but if not you send for him, if, you, if you send them to the Taliban or to the Ukrainians, he loves them, but not, uh, you know, not not his neighbor, obviously. Um, but like, I, I hope, I, I hope at the very least they they understand. They, I mean, obviously, Cornyn got booed off stage the other day. Um, like, I hope they, I know they, they're not going to publicly relent to the pressure from their constituents because they hate their constituents, but I hope they at least, like, take notice of the pushback and then, like, figure out some kind of language-based reason why they can't come to an agreement with the Democrats and then the, the talks just fizzle out. I think that's, like, they do have a way out. You know, they still do have a way out. I hope they take it. Um, you know, that that's definitely a possibility, but, like... I, that that's one of these things, man. And like, I I'm I'm fine with being a big tent party and all that. Like, I'm a freaking anarchist, man, who votes Republican most of the time. So like, I I'm fine with a big tent party. But it's like, when it comes to guns, these people, like, it, you just you, primaries matter. Like Greg said, primaries matter. You just can't. You have to. You have to ask these people that want to represent you in Washington what they think about the Second Amendment. Would they ever support any restrictions to the Second Amendment? And you got to throw if, if the answer is yes, throw those people out. I mean, it, this is just this is the one issue that we just cannot. I mean, because the Democrats will never stop trying to take our guns. This is not something we can negotiate with them on. There is no good faith negotiations with Democrats on guns. There, that, that just does not exist. And these people, you know, the Dan Crenshaws of the world, they, they need to be thrown out of, of the Republican Party. I mean, they're just as dangerous as the Democrats, in my opinion. No, it's true. Rhinos, you know, rhinos might be even worse than Democrats, in my opinion, because like. 
it, would you rather have a country that is destroyed, just you know, just get it over with, rip the bandaid off, or do it or have it happen over, you know, over you know over decades and decades and decades because of weak leadership on our side? And that's why you know we we you know my company we are literally our literal goal is to get rid of rhinos and remove them from office, and because we understand you know what's at stake for our country and the fact that. If you're somebody, you can't you can't be on our side anymore. If you don't get it, if you don't understand what we're up against and what we need to be fighting for, it's no longer acceptable. Like we've tolerated it for we've tolerated it for a very long time, and it's just no it's no longer acceptable. And which is why they all they all and they all need to go. All and like here's the thing, man. I like I can't. I've never voted for someone who I agree with on like anything more than maybe 75% of the issues. Like I'm fine. Like I'm a, I'm a radical, like I'm a radical libertarian. Like I voted for Trump. You know what I mean? Like I, I voted for, uh, you know, I'll vote for JD Vance. Obviously I, I vote for Republicans in Ohio. Cause all the races are close. Like I'm, I'm fine with making compromises. Uh, but when it comes to these people we're nominating for the house and the Senate right now, we don't need to compromise. Like you, you don't need to compromise your principles this time. Like look around. Like, look at the writing on the wall, man. Like, Joe Biden is at 35%, okay? Like, Republicans are up, like, seven, eight points on the generic congressional ballot, which means they're actually up 15 points on the generic ballot. Like, we are going to take the House back. We have a great shot to take the Senate. You can't just nominate the good guys, man. Nominate people that actually share your values. At this point, we are going to wreck the Democrats, at least in the House, there's no need to back these squishy rhinos right now. I mean, like, I get it, man. If it's like a bad year, okay, if it's like, you know, like 2018 was kind of rough, you know what I mean? Like Trump's approval was down a little bit, and we're like, okay, we're trying to maintain control of the House. Like, we just need to nominate people who can win. Like, bro, we're going to win. But it doesn't matter if we don't nominate the right people. Like, now is not, like, we don't have our backs against the wall. We are in a position of strength right now going into the midterms. There's no reason to compromise. And I understand compromising. If you're in Maine, a blue state, and you're like, I kind of have to vote for Susan Collins. I get that. But, like, if you're in Ohio, if you're, like, you know, if you're in in Foldy's district there in, in Virginia, like, you don't have to, like, this is not the time for meekness and for, for cowardice. Just nominate people that are going to swing for the fences, man, because we have the wind at our backs right now. Like, I don't know why Republicans always feel like we're at a disadvantage. And I mean, we are at a disadvantage most of the time. Right now is not one of those times. Like, we can just put it all out there right now. Yeah. And like, especially on the gun issue, like, you know, conservatives have lost on so many issues over the last few decades. Like, you 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 can think of all the issues where Democrats have just absolutely destroyed us. But the one issue that we have literally never lost on is guns. Yes. Like, you know, we, you know, Democrats have tried for years to pass laws that that would criminalize lawful gun ownership and the right to keep and bear arms. And it never works. It never works because there are many there are millions of law abiding gun owners in America who see right through this crap. And so, like, if you if you can't do the bare minimum and like and not understand that there there are there is no acting in good faith with Democrats on guns. If you don't, if you, if you can't even understand that, then you have no place. I don't want, I don't want you on our side. I don't trust you to fight for us at all. Like if you're going to be weak on guns, you're going to be weak on every other issue. hundred percent. And like, there's no reason to be weak on guns. Dude. 15, and that, yeah, exactly. There's like, literally no reason. Like look at all the progress we've made on guns. Like 15 years ago, 
only Vermont and Alaska had constitutional carry. Now 25 states, 25 states have constitutional carry. Ohio, Indiana, Texas, Mississippi, Alabama, all passed constitutional carry in the last six months. Okay, like, we, like the country is on our side when it comes to guns. Like, this isn't some fringe issue. It's not some black-white issue either. Like, I wrote about this for Independent Institute. In 2020, after the George Floyd riots, In 20, like, black Americans are 12.8% of the population, right? A relatively small po- percentage of the population. In 2020, 44% of first-time gun buyers were black. That's crazy. That's huge. Black people just went out and bought guns. Okay, it's not like it's not just like rural white rednecks who are in support of the Second Amendment. It's everybody, man. Hispanics are buying more guns than ever again. Women are buying more guns than at any point in in history. I mean, like it's not some fringe like NRA supporting truck driving like hunters like me. You know what I mean? Like it's it's everybody, man. It's Black Americans. It's women. Like. This this is not it, it's and that's even more frustrating, man. These these squishes like like Cornyn. It's like, dude, when I get it. Like if this were 15 years ago, when the sent the public sentiment was different, like being a rhino would make more sense to me. But it's like there's just no reason. Like I like there, you like you're you're choosing weakness. Like you're choosing failure for no reason. Like you you have absolutely no reason to do that. Like why? Like you're playing prevent defense when you're up by 60. And the, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't it, – it just makes no sense for me on a tactical level. No, it doesn't at all. And, you know, unfortunately, we have too many Republicans that pull the wool over the over the eyes of their voters. And then, you know, they, they, they'd say one thing and then they get elected and they do another. And it's unacceptable and all of them need to go. 100%. All of them need to, all of them need to be primaried. And, if you, you know, if, if we don't do it this year, we'll do it in 2024. We'll, you know, we won't stop until they're all gone. 100%, brother. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Greg, my friend, thanks for doing this, man. We'll do it again soon. Where can everybody uh, follow you online and all that good stuff? Um, yeah, so I'm uh, Greg underscore Price 11 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you know, midterms coming up. We're working hard to elect the right people and win and win all of the primaries we can and elect actual American first Republicans. And, yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm really excited to see what happens. Let's do it, brother. Uh, that's all I got for today. Everybody follow Greg. He's great. Uh, I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks.